CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. I'm Tyler Matheson, live from NASDAQ on this Friday afternoon. We ran out of options. No Lee, no Wapner, no Sullivan. So they put me on options action today, and we've got a wild show for you ahead. Here is what's coming up. Apple is the last of the big tech stocks to report earnings next week. And after a more than 20% run off the lows, you won't believe where Dan sees it heading next. He'll lay out the trade. Plus, the dollar is surging this year. And the Chartmaster says it looks extra flossy ahead of the big Fed meeting next week. He'll tell you how to make it rain. And Beyond Meat is up more than 800% from its May IPO. But if you missed out on the run, Mike Coe has a way to buy it for less. He'll go above and beyond on the trade. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And we're going to kick things off with the big kahuna Apple gearing up to report next week. The stock has soared 20% from its June low, and the options market expects an even bigger move after Tuesday's results. Uh, traders pricing in a more than 4% jolt in either direction for those keeping score at home. That is a $42 billion shift in market value, with the stock still down 11% from its October high. How should you trade it? into the earnings. Uh, let's uh, get in the money. Dan, you put a bullish bet on Apple right when the stock bottomed. How are you trading it now? Yeah, it was interesting. Back in uh, late May, early June, in front of their Worldwide Developers Forum, we took a look at this one, and I think we were all kind of in agreement that since they had reported their prior quarter just a month earlier, the stock had gone down nearly 20% in a straight line. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, um, you know, this is one of the last of the mega cap tech stocks. You know, Kramer's got his fang. I got my MAGA, my Microsoft, my Apple, my Google, and my Amazon. You know, this one is obviously very squarely in the middle of these trade sort of issues. We were just discussing it. So, you know, to me, as soon as the sentiment shifted from May to June, you had the stock up in a straight line 10%. But here we are now, and I'll let Carter speak to the charts. We're kind of at that gap level from late April. It's kind of hitting some technical resistance. But if you look at Microsoft, and you look at Amazon, you look at Google, it was a tale of three cities here, really, in a way. Microsoft had a good print, didn't really go anywhere. Amazon had an okay print to negative. It went down a little bit. Google had an unexpected good print and went up a lot. The one thing about Google, Alphabet, and Apple, I think expectations are both relatively low. They're both off. 10% or so from their all-time highs as the other ones were hovering around it. So when I think about this quarter next week, the options market, like you said, is implying about a $9 move between now and next Friday's close. Most of that is for earnings. On average, over the last four quarters, this stock has moved 6% the day after earnings. That's a whole heck of a lot of price action for a name this big. I actually think that expectations are low. They put up a decent enough print into a weird quarter. I think they almost have a mulligan with the trade stuff, and I think the stock goes higher. And option prices are probably pretty reasonable enough where you can make an at-the-money bet to get a breakout above that level. So the trade is really simple to me. If you are bullish and you think that it has the potential to outperform the way Google did today, I think you just look at August expiration and you very simply buy a call. So today when the stock was trading at 208, you could buy the August 210 call, paying $4 and a quarter for that. That breaks even at 214 and a quarter. That's up only 3% from the current stock price here. You're risking about 2% 
percent of the stock price for the next three weeks. And I just want to make one point because Tyler, you just said it about ten minutes ago. We got Apple next week. We got the Fed. We got jobs. There's a whole heck of a lot of stuff going on. We got trade. This is kind of an easy way if you're willing to risk two percent on a name that has a big. You catalyst. like that call on calls? Well, so what we know is that you're targeting actually interesting, where the breaks even is just at the two fifteen level. Right. That's where the stock sort of faltered on its earnings on May first, right? It gapped up and closed on the low and basically went straight down and took the market straight down. Oh. That was the peak for the market. And we had that May sell-off of, in many cases, 10%. So uh, a, a 4% move would get us right back to the point where last earnings were good and yet faltered. Uh, and that's your break-even. Do you really think it will go much higher than that? Or, or do you think that's sort of... Well, I, I just really simply, I think if we have a similar dynamic to what we saw in Alphabet, where there's just some incremental surprise and investors feel like, okay, this is going back to the high, then I think that's the level that you want to target. This is actually the key reason why I think you want to use options in this particular case. Because obviously we have a lot of sort of macroeconomic and broad market factors that are at work here. But because you're targeting a breakout level, and because options are actually relatively cheap, compared to the moves that you were just identifying. And that's really the, the story here. These options are cheaper, arguably, than they should be based on the way the stock has behaved. And you can look at it one of two ways, but one way you could think about it is that if you're inclined to be long the stock, but you think that that move, the average move, could be 6% to the downside, well, take a look at what 6% of the downside is. It's more than you're spending on this call option, considerably more. So what you're doing is you're risking considerably less to make that bullish bet. Really, the only thing you have to worry about here is if Apple happens to trade dead sideways from now until August expiration, and I think there's a lot of reasons to think that that might not happen. Yeah, that's I just want to point he just made. There, yeah, right? it's a great point, and yeah. I just want to make one last point. You know, when we do this, we're really kind of risking what you're willing to lose on a trade. These are very binary trades. If you buy the weekly, for instance, if you're long Apple, though, the flip side is true. If you're long Apple and you say, you know what, all those catalysts, I want to actually protect myself to the downside, it would only cost you two percent for one week insurance. Now that's not a great thing to do too frequently, but my point is is that options are cheap enough if you're picking a direction, whether it be a hedge or whether you're looking to speculate on a greater than expected move, they line up pretty well, especially when you consider all the catalysts next week. All right, let's move on to the dollar, uh, making it rain and uh, tracking for its best month since last October. And with the big Fed meeting next week, the chart master says the greenback is about to get a whole lot greener. Carter, you've been a very bad boy once again. Gotta go over, go over take over, your punishment, all right, go all right. over to go. the monitor and walk so, us through the dollar index. The dollar is obviously an important, it's the greatest security of all time. If you think of total value of capital traded in the equity market, the bond market is double that, the currency market is double that. And this, is, of course, is the biggest currency. It's the most important security, hard stop, bar none. And I think there's more to come here. It has had a good uh, month or two. But here's the all-data chart. Uh, this is um, the Plaza Accord when governments got together to agree to weaken the dollar. Interestingly, that was in September of 85, and the dollar peaked in March, anticipating just that kind of thing. But if we were to put in the trend line, um, what is so important is that if you have a well-defined trend line and then you break above it, the key here is after breaking above it, it checked back and is now pivoting off the line again. That confirms uh, the major reversal that's been underway here for the past. And there's so many ways you can draw the lines, you can call it all of this, but the reality is that this setup, to my eye, looks like we've got more to go. So let's zero in a little tighter. This is the equilibrium. We've basically been stuck for the past 12 months. Not a lot of character. And I think this is about to get resolved. Let's draw some lines. This is one way to do it. So again, an ascending 
a triangle, you can call it a wedge, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but what it represents is equilibrium, and there are periods of equilibrium, but they don't last forever. At some point, there's a resolution. The betting here is that the resolution is going to be up and out, uh, as, as depicted uh, there. So now, the really short term, just over the past three, four, five months, what I see is a very well-defined head and shoulders bottom. And you see the lines there. At a minimum, that projects to the highs, and then we would have our setup here, and then we put our arrow back in here, ultimately implying that. Now the vehicle to use is the UUP, it's an ETF that captures. That is already making slight new highs. Here's your head and shoulders bottom. We have already taken out the highs. The setup is good. The betting here from my seat is more to come, long the U.S. dollar. Is there a better ticker symbol, Carter, than UUP? Up. I mean, I can't imagine. Mike, what's the trade here, man? This is uh, one where we have to keep it pretty simple. And the reason is because options are actually quite inexpensive. And this is not a very high volatility instrument. So selling premium, there really isn't any premium to sell. And by way of example, look at the September 26 calls. These calls are in the money already. When I was looking at these earlier today, those were about 65 cents. They were in the money by about 55 cents. So you're essentially paying 10 cents to have insurance if the trade is wrong to the downside below 26. Another way to think about it, you're spending a small amount of money to have upside leverage. So there's a couple different ways you can sort of consider this, but there really is only one way to play it, and that is to buy calls here. Yeah, I like it. It really is because the at the money, you're risking, what, less than 2% to buy that call and have that exposure over the next couple of months where we know there's going to be a lot of macro sort of headlines. And I'll just make one other point. You know, when you overlay that UUP chart over the last 10 or 11 years versus the TLT, the 20-year uh, U.S. Treasury, pretty correlated, right? Yep. They're telling you a story here. Bonds have been bid, right? Yields have gone lower. The dollar is just stuck here in this range, you know what I mean? And to your point, it looks like gonna break out. And put those two things together, and I'm not so certain that's a great you know, scenario for stocks either. No, I, it's whatever not. Whatever that's worth. But that's, uh, that's a separate, that's a that's separate, separate segment. segment. That's yeah. There is a correlation here. It's called the Matheson trade. And the Matheson trade <laughs> is this. Whenever Matheson goes to Europe, the dollar will sink and the euro will rise. Dude, you're okay. doing great. The and I have no plan to go to Europe. Oh. Therefore, the dollar is rising and the euro is sinking. Okay? So you don't just go. follow the Matheson trade. So don't go to Europe. we got much more options action ahead. Here's what's coming up. It's been a sizzling week for shares of Beyond Meat. And Mike Coe has cooked up a way to buy the hot stock for less. You'll have to see it to believe it. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket. Grab your phone and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Uh, Beyond Belief? No, just another unbelievable week for Beyond Meat. Let's go to Aditi Roy with all the details. Hey, Aditi. 
Hey, Tyler, and we'll get new quarterly numbers from Beyond Meat this week. No doubt it's had an incredible lead up to the results. This week alone, the stock is up 33%. And since the company's IPO, Beyond Meat shares are up more than 840%, making it the best performing IPO this year. Its current market cap is about $14 billion. That's as big as food giant Conagra, bigger than Molson Coors and Campbell's Soup, and twice the size of Macy's, triple the size of Nordstrom and Foot Locker. Despite the stock's skyrocketing price, short interest in it is still high, 16 percent of the float. But keep in mind that number might be skewing higher since it's before the lockup expiration that's coming this fall. That puts short interest in Beyond Meat higher than most of the big IPOs this year, including Pinterest, Uber and Lyft, but below Zoom. Beyond's also been beefing up on partnerships, making deals with Dunkin' Donuts and Carl's Jr. We'll look out for any new big names when the results come out on Monday. Back to you, Tyler. Aditi, thank you very much. And if you're looking for a way to play Beyond Meat's Red Hot Rally, for less, we've got a tasty trade for you. Cheap meat! Mike Coe, take it away, my friend. All right, well, you know, I don't know whether or not you should substitute Beyond Meat's Impossible Burger for the burger you would otherwise be eating. But I can tell you for sure that you should substitute an options trade for this stock if you currently hold it. Because we're dealing with a very high-flying and exceptionally volatile stock here. That high short interest is one of the signs, and we have many others, that there's something a little bit fishy going on here, and we're in the midst of a short squeeze. So what we're definitely going to try to do, if you're still inclined to be long it, is to do so at a lower cost and to risk less. And I will tell you that the options market right now is flashing some significant warning signs. And if you take a look past October 29th, which is when the lockup for this stock ends, that's when it gets particularly dire. So we're going to take a look at a trade. First of all, let's take a look at the price of options, actually. And we can see right here, this, it's hard to put this in context because we can see it's moving around a lot. That is 110%. Okay, that's the implied volatility. This is essentially unheard of. We're not normally dealing with stocks that have these kinds of options prices off the charts, basically. And so is the stock, as we can see here. We actually talked about a call spread as a substitute for owning the stock. That call spread doubled. That was just a couple of months ago. But remember the strike of the call that we sold. It was 140. The stock was trading almost 240 today. Absolutely remarkable. So let's take a look at the trade here. All right. So what we were trying to do here was we were looking to sell the 150 puts buy the 235 calls and sell the 260 calls, you can do that whole trade for no money. Okay, so what does this tell us? We're going to get profits from 235 up to 260, and if you end up having to buy the stock back that you replace with this trade, you're going to own it at 150. That's an $85 discount to where the stock was trading right now. So if you've seen a run like this and you're thinking, I still want to have some upside exposure, can you not think about taking some of it off, though, after we've seen a run like this? At the very least, say, okay, I'll take the risk that I'll buy it back $85 than where it is right now. But I think if you own this stock, you definitely want to start substituting options for it. All right. Thank you. Uh, and work your way back. Dan, what do you think of that? Yeah, so what's really interesting, I mean, Mike's talking about a lot of really technical dynamics. And this is a pretty weird situation, a $14 billion um, market cap for something that people just really don't know what to do. And I think what's really important is you think about all of these headlines we've had about all these partnerships. You know, at some point, that will revert the other way. You will have some of these guys dump the product 
product because no one wants it. And you know, I mean, so that's one of the reasons why all this uncertainty is kind of causing this tremendous implied volatility, the price of options. The at the money straddle, the call and the put for next week, okay, with a stock at 235, is worth $45. That is the implied movement between now and next Friday's close. That's telling you that option traders have no idea which way this is going to go, and they're not willing to really price risk accordingly. Take a look at the price of the straddles that go out further yeah. in the year, the Novembers, or even, say, the January 2020s. We're dealing with straddles that are over $100. And here's another interesting thing. Look for the strike where the calls and the puts are the same price. That essentially tells you what the forward price that the options market thinks. Right now, the January 185 calls and 185 puts are priced about the same. So what the options market is telling you is it really thinks there's some serious danger here, and we could see this stock go lower, maybe considerably lower, especially after the thing, the, the point you make about people having no clue, and that's just a function of price discovery. When something is brand new, uh, there's no way to model it, right, except extrapolating uh, minor trends with not a lot of data, and it's all hope after that. But here is a on the screen a fairly well-defined chart. This is a 60-minute chart since it's IPO, and you can see it tracks uh, its trend line beautifully, but you can also see that it is fairly far above that trend line. And at this point, uh, the word trim comes to mind. Uh, take action, do something uh, before, as they say, someone does it for you. Meat substitute, Less stock word. substitute. <laughs> you definitely want to substitute options for stock here. All right, Mike, thank you very much. Coming up, shares of Tesla hitting the skids this week, down more than 11% on that earnings report. But we'll tell you why that is great news for one of our traders. Plus, it's Friday, so you know what that means. Tweet your burning questions to our Twitter handle at OptionsAction. And I may just let the traders answer it on air. You'll have to tweet and find out. And don't go anywhere. There's much more. Options Action, right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look at a couple of our open trades. Just last week, Dan said Tesla could be headed for a crash. If you're along this thing, you might want to consider some protection because if they do tweak down that full year guidance um, in any way, shape, or form, maybe it's margins, maybe it's full year deliveries, that stock's going back down probably on the way back towards 200. So to me, it's a pretty simple trade. Stock was trading 259 today. You could look at August expiration and you could buy the 250, 210 put spread paying $9 for that. That was just a week ago and that stock is off, Dan, 11% since then. Well, you must feel pretty smug. No, I don't, because I get a lot of things wrong, as our viewers know. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. You know, we already knew what the Q2 deliveries were, and so there was a lot of skepticism about what the margins were. They disappointed on margins. They did not take down the full-year delivery. That's another shoe to drop. But here's the thing. This stock has gone down 35 bucks or so in the last week and a half. I think you take this trade off. It costs 9 it's worth 21 or so. I think there's lower lows, but I think it becomes a hard press as it kind of gets some support. I'll go to Carter because you made the call of the century June 3rd when the stock is 175. You said it was about to ricochet. And I love that call, but I also was looking at the level around 250 saying that I think that's a great level to put it back out. Right. So we've kind of sort of navigated this well. Uh, and now, in, to some extent, it's a pair of twos. It's not a, it's not a big hand, meaning a stock that goes from 175 to 266 up 50% off its low a stock that basically had crashed going into that, and then fails dramatically with a gap on news as it's just done, 
it's now at an equilibrium price where it probably spends a lot of time backing and filling, and there's no great actionable trade. Meaning there are times when you can make big bets. I would say this is a time not to yeah. have a big And I would just take this trade off and I'd move on, but I'd look for an opportunity when it gets a little frothy again in front of some sort of catalyst where they have the potential to possibly lower that full-year um, delivery guidance because that could set up as a good trade. All right, let's pivot to Facebook. Uh, last week, Mike said Facebook's earnings would set the stage for more gains going forward. Listen. Going into a catalyst like earnings, what you're going to see is that the nearer dated options are going to see elevated premiums, higher implied volatility. We do see that. The other thing I will point out is that longer dated options often aren't affected quite as much. I was looking at the August 205, January 2020 205 call spread. Buying the 205s in January, selling the ones in August. Net net, I'm going to be laying out about 10 bucks. So Facebook spiked on the earnings. Now the stock is right back where it was last Friday. What do you do now, Mike? Yeah, I think we stick with this trade. It's actually kind of working out because what's happened here is those near-dated options are, in fact, decaying. The trade was actually up slightly, even though the stock is down slightly. So it's kind of working the way we want it to. And when August rolls off or they get exceptionally cheap, then we're going to roll out and sell another call against it. We're basically getting into a synthetic buy ride. Carter? You know, my hunch is there's a little bit of the same thing, which is to say we know that Facebook... uh, one of the big, big names that people are counting on. It's the one with Netflix that essentially didn't deliver in terms of not necessarily its fundamentals, but its price action was tepid. But now that that's out of the way, it doesn't feel here as though there's a lot of directionality to it. And I would say this becomes a dormant asset. For a while. Yeah, really surprising. They obviously have been really volatile. If you bookend last July when the company had that huge gap, I think it was the largest one-day market cap loss forever, you know, mm-hmm. and then estimates for the next year just got destroyed, and now we're all the way back here. A lot of people thought it would get back up to that prior high. The fact that it didn't, and now we face these headwinds of regulatory issues, forget the FTC thing. That's just one thing. The other stuff, I suspect you see this stock in around 200 for a bit. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Up next, your tweets and the final call. And welcome back to Options Action. It is time now for the final call. Carter, what you got? Well, the dollar. I mean, the uh, Invesco dollar ETF, UUP, it looks poised to move higher despite already moving higher. We talked about that ticker symbol, the UUP. I love it. Mike? By the UUP, SEP26 calls. And think about it this way. If you were going to go out and buy about $2,700 worth of UUP, would you spend $10 to insure it below 26? That's what you're doing if you buy the calls instead of the stock. Sir? Yeah, so this Apple one, it's the last mega cap one, sets up pretty interestingly. If you're inclined to think that it breaks out of this range, I think at the money calls in August make a lot of sense to define your risk. All right, have a great weekend, gentlemen. Thanks for being really here, Really fun to have you here. Great hour, Tyler. I, I had fun with, with each of you. That does, us, does it for us here on Options Action. Do not go anywhere because Mad Money with Mr. Kramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.